0: It's Wired, the Pistons Podcast, presented by G. Here's your host, Matt Derry. And it is Wired, the Pistons Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, on this mid-May Thursday. Matt Derry with you, your host here from our Rocket Fiber Detroit Pistons studios. Talking a little Pistons basketball, our guest today. Let's bring him right in. A Detroit native, back home, covering the team for the free press. And We've talked to Vince Ellis already about his new ventures with of course, uh, the company and, and, and the Pistons and the folks at Platinum, but his replacement is our guest today, Omari Sankofa II, a native Detroiter coming from Memphis, where he covered the Grizzlies. We'll now cover the Pistons for the free press, and Omari's our guest today. Hey, Omari, thanks so much.
1: Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Doing pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, still healthy, family still so healthy, so I guess uh, these days that's how you can really hope for it.
0: Tell me about what a crazy ride this has been. You're covering the Grizzlies, you get this Pistons opportunity with the free press, and you move back home. Yet the season just stops and the pandemic hits. What's the last a couple of months been like for you?
1: It's been uh, pretty interesting because the uh, the in- entire process for you know for being considered moving back home versus staying put in Memphis uh, began before the pandemic really even hit the united states so from the span from me basically you know like starting the process of figuring out what i was going to do and uh and then making a decision uh, the vast majority of it took place uh, before the shutdowns in michigan even happened so uh you know so my idea of what coming home would be like the end of February, uh, you know, of course it was pretty different from what home actually ended up being once I came back. But it's been great, you know, it's been good to to be home, be around family while everything is, has been going on. Uh, I think the Pistons have been pretty helpful and, you know, helping me get the ball rolling and get my feet set, even though you know, of course with the season suspended, there's a lot of people who I would not be in person for uh, an extended period of time. So uh, it's definitely been unique, but You know, it's it's still been good. And we'll see what happens from here. Uh, The league's going to try to start back up. Uh, I think Adam Silver said two to four weeks before he makes a decision. So I think we're all just waiting to see what happens from here.
0: Was this always a goal of yours? Uh, Did you grow up a Pistons fan? Did you always want to cover this team or at least come home and and work for your hometown newspaper, the Free Press?
1: I did grow up a Pistons fan. Uh, I would say that. Uh, once I got down to, to Memphis, uh, you know, I didn't really have a, a broad plan to, to come home. Of course, no, Ellis was still the, uh, writer at the Detroit free press and, uh, you know, if you're covering the NBA, it's covering the NBA and, uh, the athletic was a good place to be. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I was, I was plotting, uh, you know, to come home in any sense, but I think on some level, I knew that if an opportunity to come home ever, um, Arise, it would be something that I would have to deeply consider. Uh, only because when you're a sports writer, you really don't have a lot of opportunities to go home. I reported move away, and uh, they remained away, you know, for potentially their entire career. So uh, it was something that I definitely had to think about. Uh, and then when Vince Ellis uh, stepped down in February, the Free Press was uh, pretty aggressive in figuring out what they wanted to do next, and uh, my name came up, and uh, then it kind of just went from there. So. Uh, you know, so once they they reached out, you know, I did realize you know it really would be good to go home, and uh, it was something I have to consider. And uh, now that I'm back, you know, it definitely feels great.
0: Omari Sankofa the second, new beat writer for the Pistons for the Detroit Free Press. Interesting, you said my name came up. Uh, <laughs> did, the minute you hear about Vince, do you like pick up the phone or you, do you wait? I mean, what's what's that process like?
1: Well, I had to you know talk talk about it with my family, uh, you know, there was a lot of conversations that took place, basically, you know, as far as me figuring out uh, what I wanted for the uh, future, and uh, you know, and I'm born and raised here in Detroit, you know, I think I have a a base here, you know, a, a network here that, you know, I just would not have in, in any other city, uh, then I also had a relationship with the Free Press for a while, um, when I was in high school, uh, there was the, uh, the program the Free Press had with Detroit Public Schools, I'm a Renaissance grad, and, uh, that really helped me get my feet wet, you know, when I was a, a teenager, and, and weighing if I wanted to be a sports reporter when I grew up, and, and I also freelanced for the free press when I was in uh, college at Michigan State, so, uh, you know, it was a relationship. I was there for a while, and, you know, I felt really, really, really comfortable coming back and coming back to accept the start.
0: That's great. Um, tell me about covering the NBA. What's it like? Uh, you were at The Athletic for a couple of years here with, in Memphis, uh, covering the Grizzlies, but what what... What makes covering that league uh, so 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 much fun for you?
1: Well, you know, I grew up a big NBA fan. You know, I think the NBA has always been the league I followed the most. And, you know, especially as a kid, uh, my family has always watched uh, the Pistons and, and the Lions, first and foremost. And when you're a kid and the Pistons are winning 50, 60 games a year, uh, won a championship, and uh, the Lions are the Lions, and you know no disrespect to the Lions, but, <laughs> you know, I, I still watch the Lions. But you know, I think I think winning certainly impacts your fandom for a team, and it was much easier to watch uh, the Pistons growing up. So yeah, I think that's what started that fandom. Uh, pretty much by the time I was, you know, probably 11 or, or 12, I was following the entire league as a whole. You know, reading a lot of things online. You know, I remember reading. Rosenberg and the free press I read lot of Bill Simmons you know I was consuming a lot of stuff so uh, I think it, there was a sort of a natural passion there uh you know and then also you know like most kids who were born in the 90s uh Space Jam was sort of a monumental event for us and I'm sure a lot of people could kind of credit their love for basketball to some extent to you know to Space Jam so there's just all these things that kind of happened when I was young that led to me being the the basketball lover I still am today.
0: All right, who I got to get this out of the way because you, you're a young guy. I love talking to you. Who wins the Bad Boys if they played the Going to Work Pistons? Who you got?
1: I'm going to take the Going to Work Pistons. I think because the league was a little bit bigger at three point shooting, and you know you had guys like Chauncey, Sheed, Rip. Um, you did, you, had, you had several guys on that team that were uh, at least average shooters, and I think that a the of Bad Boys were uh offensively, you know, the going to work business probably just had a little bit more more juice to them just because of how the league trended. Now if we're playing under the nineteen eighties and nineties rules, maybe the bad boys have the edge. But but I'm I'm gonna take the two thousand four Pistons. I'm probably biased 'cause I, you know I've watched that a team more obviously, but but I think they just had a little bit more as far as offensive firepower. That's what it comes
0: down to. Hey man, just don't just don't say that in front of Rick Mahorn, okay? <laughs> 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 Omari yeah, saying bro. Omari Sanko for the second. If he, if he this, then I guess he'll,
1: uh, I, I guess he'll have some words for me. So I guess we'll
0: see. Well, he has words for everybody. So well, you're, you're going to be welcome to the club rather quickly. All right. How much, o- Omari, have you had contact with the organization since you got here? And of course, you were starting, and the league was already, um, was already on pause. So. Uh, what is that process like? Like, how, how can you get some contacts and, and get to know people when you're doing everything virtually? How hard has that been for you?
1: You know, it definitely makes it harder. You know, I think there's people who, you know, you obviously seek to talk to, depending on what you're working on. Uh, you know, I've had, uh, I did a Q&A with Fred uh, three weeks ago, just sort of about offseason plans. And then I talked to him last week for another story on when the Pistons can open up their practice facility. And, uh, you know, and that, and that's been helpful. And there's already some familiarity there because Ed, you know, used to work in the Grizzlies front office, you know, and I knew people with the Grizzlies and, uh, you know, there are people who said, yeah, Mark, Cooper's beach where you know, he's a good guy. So that was a, a big help there. Uh, but beyond that, you know, you definitely feel like your hands are tied in some extent because there's a lot of relationship building to happen. at the arena, you know, at practices during games and whatnot. Uh, a lot of people that, that you meet and, you know, and talk to and, a lot of those people, I won't be able to, you know, I, I actually be to talk to until things get back to normal. So, uh, you know, it definitely hurts, but you know, you still have uh, your phone. You know, you can call people. Uh, there's other ways to go about it. So, I think it takes a little bit more creat- creativity and front end work, but you can still get some things done.
0: How, how has journalism changed here in in 2020 than maybe when you started? And you and I were talking off air about your start at Michigan State and and certainly learning uh, the ropes from some very very good. Uh, professors there at mSU and that's a great program uh, then going to Pittsburgh and Memphis. Uh, how have things changed in, in 2020 when it comes to journalism and and how do those changes affect you?
1: I think when I was coming uh, through Michigan state, you know I think the industry as a whole we knew that you know the future uh, you know would continue to change go more digital uh you know obviously diversify your skill set in some ways whether it's', it's video or podcasting or whatever it may be. I was at the student newspaper at Michigan State, the State News, for about three and a half years, and I did a ton of stuff there. So I think having that hands-on experience, along with whatever internships I did, prepared me pretty well, you know, just knowing the way the industry is trending and that, you know, even if you're great at your your job, very well-sourced, uh, you know, if the, the money isn't there, the money isn't, isn't there. You know, so I think a lot of people who get into the industry now sort of accept that, uh you you need to get lucky basically you know you need to get lucky you need to develop relationships uh, you need to uh you know accept the fact that you know you can get up to ESPN and the ESPN uh, laid off a lot of people three three years ago uh, so uh that's sort of the reality now uh, it's just the stability this isn't there uh you know and I'm, I've definitely been thankful that you know I found these doors open to be uh so early in my career uh, you know because some people just haven't had that you know so I think you recognize that but also realize that, you know, you just have to work hard and, and do your best, you know, stay diverse, make sure you're always improving your skills and not just sort of honing in on one area just so that you can be more marketable. And I think that's the biggest thing now is just being as marketable as possible.
0: Omari Sankofa second, Free Press, a new Pistons beat writer, uh, joining us here from our Rocket Fiber Studios, the Detroit Pistons podcast brought to you by Jeep. It is Wired. Matt Derry with you. All right, so you come to this team. Uh, you were down in Memphis, which you know, it's sort of a uh, sort of a similar situation. Although the Grizzlies really have done very well the last couple of years, high in the draft and, and in the lottery, um, certainly with Jaron Jackson and and John, all that stuff. But what similarities do you see between these two organizations that you've now covered in the last year?
1: I think. The- Well, the cities for sure remind me of each other. Uh, Detroit and Memphis obviously have similar histories as far as, you know, being in music. Uh, The people really do remind me of of each other. Um, And the fan bases are similar. You know, I think the the teams that the Grizzlies and Pistons have had are similar in that, you know, they were sort of gritty, hardworking teams that really represented uh, the fan base pretty well. So uh, from that standpoint, you know, I think being in Memphis really kind of felt like home in some ways because, even people in Memphis had family in Detroit. Like I met more people, you know, within a few months in Memphis, I had family in Detroit than I did in two years when I was in Pittsburgh. So, wow. uh, the, yeah, so the souls of the City are just very, very similar. Um, but beyond that, uh, you know, I think the Grizzlies are a newer franchise. So you had a lot of uh, newer fans who had really become NBA fans for the last decade, really. You know, when you look at that Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, uh, Mark Gasol, their team that kind of became a Western Conference power around two thousand and eleven. So I think that the fan bases sort of approached conversation about their teams differently, right? Like a lot of people in Memphis were uh so in love with, you know, those those teams that uh a lot of their conversations are kinda of based around well, we need to never Zach Randolph, we need over twenty Allen, we guys were gonna go out there and uh you know beat other teams up you know rough and tumble whatnot which again is what people up here say about the bad boys but I also think that because the Pittsburgh have been around uh, for a much longer time um you know I think in Detroit there's just a little bit more of a deeper fandom because of that I think there are more people who uh, are fans of the team because they kind of got locked in from a different era you know like for example uh my my parents grandparents whatever you know they were they grew up on on the bad boys. You know, you have people who watch Dave Bing. Uh, you know, you have people who have been following the team for 30, 40 years, which um, I think when you see people discuss the Pistons, you know, there's either optimism because you see the way the team is heading and you like what they're doing, or there's more pessimism because, you know, you can look at the last 30, 40 years and see what's worked and how it works. So uh, there's a big difference there just because the Grizzlies have been around less than half as long as, long as the Pistons have, have been around. So from a fan base standpoint, you see a difference there.
0: Tell me about uh, your thoughts on this rebuild and, and where the Pistons are going right now. And, of course, it started with the trade of Andre Drummond and sort of this declaration that that's the, the direction the organization is going. What uh, organization is going? What do you think?
1: I think it makes sense. You know, the Pistons, they, they had Drummond for the previous seven years, and, you know, they, they just couldn't build a team around them. They started off with Greg Morrow and, you know, and then you add Josh Smith to the core and you know you try these different looks, but after a while, something doesn't work, and eventually you have to kind of change, change direction. Uh, I think it's a unique circumstance because the team that's currently constructed was largely constructed by the Stan Van Gundy regime, and they let go of Stan Van Gundy, you know, only a couple months after they traded for Blake. So uh, the current front office had to figure out what well, can be better on Blake or to pivot away, and. Since you, you didn't have health with Reggie Jackson missing games with Blake having a season shut down in January, I think it makes sense, right? You know, Blake's 30 years old and, uh, the odds of you being able to form a contender around him, uh, throughout the duration of his prime, the that's three, four years from now, uh, the odds probably aren't that high. You know, you look at Giannis in the same conference, and, you know, and that's going to be a roadblock for a long time. So, uh, and I think it's natural that they got to this point. They need some luck in the lottery for sure because they haven't had a pick higher than seven since. 2003, and you know, and obviously that, that pick was not missed. So uh, it's been a long time since this this team has drafted a franchise-changing talent. You have to go all the way back to Grant Hill. So uh, that's really what it boils down to. They have to get lucky in the lottery. You know, you got to get a couple franchise pieces that can lead you to that next uh, tier. So uh, the front office can can trade well. They can make good free agency signings, but at the end of the day, it's going to start with the draft. So I think that's the primary focus right now.
0: What are your thoughts on some of the young pieces that we know, are, <clears throat> excuse me, are going to be around? Uh, Seku, Bruce Brown, hopefully Christian Wood. Um, what do you think of some of those guys?
1: I think they have a good base, and I think it's encouraging that this team has made a lot of minor moves that have paid off pretty well. You look at getting Bruce Brown in the second round of 2018, and he's become you know a genuinely good good player. You know, I think that's encouraging. You look at how they traded um, Reggie Bullock last year for to be, you know, he's become a rotation please That's encouraging. Uh, Luke Kennard, you know, he was a Stan Van Gundy pick, but I think when he's been healthy, he's shown that uh, he could play up to his potential. You know, I think he was a tough overall pick. You know, that's a lottery pick. Uh, you know, he has the skill set to be a really good wing in the NBA for a long time. You know, he's a good shooter. He's a good bar handler. He like can do some secondary playmaking. Uh, if he's healthy, that's a guy you want to keep around for a while. You know, I think the jury's out on Seku because he's so young, but he did show flashes last year, and you know it's beneficial to have a guy like that who you look at his three-four year trajectory, and you know there's probably some confidence that he's going to be an NBA player, uh, which at 15, you know that's, that's, that's pretty good value. But you know, I don't know if he's the guy who will be a superstar, but you know, if he's a rotation piece, then that's a, a pretty pretty good pick. But they swung for the fists on that one, obviously, so. They're going to put a lot of resources in him to, you know, to get him from point B, point C and uh, and hope that he improves and that, that pick pays off. You know, and then of Chris course Christian Wood, he beat out Joe Johnson in the preseason and uh, looked like one of the best players in the NBA for a while there. And if you keep him and re-sign him and he continues to play up to that level, then that's another home run. So I think so far they've really done a good job of maximizing these sort of small moves that can pay off down the road. Uh, for this rebuild to succeed, and they're going to need to continue that trend. But they're off to a pretty solid start. I mean, look at the good time that they have.
0: Well, Mari, it was really great uh, visiting with you. Uh, congratulations on the new opportunity here, and hope to see you, man. This is uh, These are these are crazy times. And I, I, I guess my last thing for you is, uh, are you ready for whatever they throw at you? If they tell you, we're going to have a season in Vegas, or we're going to have a season in some giant bubble in Tampa. Like, are you your bags packed? you ready to go?
1: I'm ready. I mean, you know, outside of, you know, this existential threat of a virus wiping everything out, you know, I think the bubble idea, you know, has legs and, you know, certainly sounds fun. You know, if they do it in Vegas, if they do it in Disney or whatever, and if, you know, they allow media to travel, you know, I'll certainly be there. Uh, you know, we all have our fingers crossed and hope that the league can get up to the points where they can test everybody and keep everybody safe, because, of course, that's what the sun kind of hinges on, but. But I'm ready. You know, I've, I've been at home like everybody else. And, yeah, I think we're all itching to get started. So, uh, you know, so I think fingers crossed and hopefully Adam Silver can make the right call. All
0: right, Omari, great to meet you. Thanks uh, for a few minutes and uh, best of luck.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. And uh, looking forward to one day meeting in person down the road.
0: You got it. There he is, Omari Sankofa II, the newest a writer here in town, free press, beat writer for the Detroit Pistons, taking over for Vincellus, Ellis, of course, uh, slid over to uh, go to work for the Pistons and Platinum. So it'd be great to see Vince and Omari and, and everybody uh, eventually here when we get back to some basketball. All right, everybody, that'll do it for another installment of Wired the Pistons podcast brought to you by Jeep from our Rocket Fiber studios. My name is Matt Derry. Stay safe, everybody, and hopefully we'll have some news for you soon on our next show.